Alright guys, and welcome to Don't Tread on America. I'm your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? It is February 4th, 2022. Welcome to the show. Today's show is brought to you in part by Redcon1.com. That's right. Great supplement company out of Florida. Check them out. Use the link at the pot at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. And speaking of which, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating. And uh, no matter what app you're listening to this on, share it with your friends. All right, guys. Uh, today's show's got a couple a couple things to talk about. The, uh, the job numbers that we briefly touched on on the last show uh, were released today. So we'll go over those. And then I have a reason of what I believe is for the high gas prices. Or, you know, that's at least one of the things that's jacked up. But I have a, uh, an explanation for those. And then uh, for all you gun owners out there, be aware the Second Amendment once again is under attack. And then I got a brief story about uh, Karen Johnson. Yeah, so many of you may not know who that is, and that's fine. Stay tuned, and I will let you know who she is and uh, what happened to her. All right, guys. First story is job numbers were released today. And this is uh, from CNN. Uh, I'm just going to let them talk on it. Major breaking economic news. Surprising breaking economic news. Confusing breaking economic news. The January jobs report is in, and it's way better than people were expecting. CNN Chief Business Correspondent and Anchor of Early Star Christine Roman is here with the numbers. Roman. Yeah, not at all what we were expecting because Omicron really ravaged the economy during January, but instead 467,000 net new jobs added back into the economy in January. Uh, that is the most jobs gained since August 2021. This is not the weak jobs figures that so many people had thought. Let me tell you why they were bracing for something terrible. It's because the survey from the government happened the very week some 12 million people were out sick or taking care of someone else uh, who was out sick because of Omicron. So we were really looking for that distortion and didn't get it. I think what you can say here is there is surprising strength among employers who are hungry to hire workers, weathering even the Omicron variant here. 4% was the unemployment rate, a little change. And you saw pretty much broad-based gains in job creation, including leisure and hospitality, professional services, uh, and trade. So we're watching these numbers digging in. There's going to be some what we call benchmark revisions. But overall, you put together the first 12 months of this Biden presidency, and it looks like it's the best job creation on record since we started counting those numbers from the Great Depression, John. All right, so <clears throat> we'll give him credit. Or we'll give, <laughs> I don't want to give him credit because obviously he didn't do anything. I just find it interesting that, you know, when Jen Psaki said this the other day. Uh, because Omicron was so highly transmissible, nearly 9 million people called out sick in early January when the jobs data was being collected. So during that same period of time. And the week the survey of t was taken, the week of January 12th, was at the height of the Omicron spike. So we just wanted to kind of prepare, um, you know, people to understand how the data is taken, what they're looking at, and what it is an assessment of. And as, as a result, the month's jobs report may show job losses in large part because workers were out sick from Omicron at the point when it was peaking during the period when the week where the data was taken. So my question is this. 
why would you why would she come out? I think that was on Monday. Why would she come out on Monday and say that? Like she said, they did the survey January 12th was a bad week. A lot of people called in sick, which we all know we're not fucking idiots. We all know that you calling in sick to work has nothing to do with being unemployed. That means you're sick, right? So it doesn't make any sense that that would be their excuse. See, I'm just thinking that <clears throat> there was something else. If they had these numbers two, three weeks ago, so if the survey was done January 12th, whatever she said, there had to be something that they saw like, shit, we're about to get our ass handed to us on this job report. And for the last 12 months, we've touted jobs like 6.2 million. Now it's what, 6.6? Oh, you know, jobs, jobs, you know, most jobs created since since uh, the Great Depression. Well, we all know that those are fake numbers. I mean, they're, they're true numbers. I'm not disputing the numbers. I'm disputing how you came about the numbers. You didn't create shit, okay? We've opened up the economy. Places are getting back to work. It has nothing to do, it doesn't matter who the president was, you were going to have these numbers, <laughs> okay? It has nothing to do with Joe Biden. We all know this. The fact of the matter is they saw something in the preliminary reports that was going to show them with a loss or something. So I saw this, the, um, let me look it up real quick. I think it was the, uh, God, I can't remember the name of the, the, the thing, man, you know, the thing with the people that talked about it. The ADP jobs report came out yesterday or two days ago. I'm sorry which makes the Friday's numbers, you know, this was a preliminary. This came out, I think it was Wednesday, Thursday, whatever day it was. So, and it shows, you know, the job growth for the year. So, you know, every month it was, you know, whatever it was. And then it showed a loss of 301,000 jobs. So, if the ADP came out with those numbers on Thursday, where did the other... Well, 700, whatever, because I don't remember they said 400, whatever, thousand jobs. Where did the other, where did the 700,000 jobs come from? So I'm disputing, I'm curious about the numbers. And obviously this isn't the first time that Biden's people, I, I'm not even going to say anything about Biden himself. He doesn't know shit from shit. He's just a bumbling fucking old ass man that doesn't really know what day it is, in all honesty. But whomever, obviously, they have a way with numbers, so to speak, right? The election, jobs. But let's talk true numbers. If we're going to get real about all the jobs created, let's talk real numbers. Okay, <clears throat> the fact of the matter is, I'm not disputing that there's been 6.6, .6, whatever the number is, jobs, jobs, I don't want to say jobs created. I'm not disputing that there's 6.6 .6 million people back to work. I'm not disputing that. What I'm disputing is the falsehoods that the White House and whomever is spouting as to those numbers. And the sad thing is, is 
real realistically you're nowhere near back to where we should be and where we were prior to covid so i found this story this is out of statista now this isn't have anything to do with dave batista anyway a little 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 joke there for you guys no so this is just a statistics and analysis uh website um so I don't, I don't know what side of the road they're on. It doesn't matter. Stats are stats. Facts are facts. Okay? So with tens of millions of people losing their jobs and seeing their work hours reduced due to COVID-19 pandemic, the ongoing crisis has disputed labor markets around the world at an unprecedented scale. According to the latest edition, the ILO Monitor, 114 million jobs were lost in 2020. Now, <clears throat> before I read on, I'm assuming those are throughout the world that's not in america um uh, which in combination with work hour reductions within employment resulting in work hour loss approximate approximately four times as high as during the financial crisis in 09 the ilo estimates that the working hours lost in 2020 compared to pre-pandemic levels were equivalent to 255 million full-time jobs leading to 3.7 trillion in lost labor income that's even higher than the worst case uh, estimate made in spring of 2020 when the ILO had predicted labor loss between 860 billion and 344 trillion for the entire year so the following chart here um, shows the disrupt disruptions in the labor market uh, were most pronounced in the second quarter of 2020 obviously that would have been so your quarters run I, I'm assuming it's a fiscal year so it runs from February April or February March April's one quarter so Mar, uh, May June July would be your second quarter over the summer and that's when places really started locking things down um, so however the ILO does not expect global working hours to return to pre-COVID levels in 21 so this this report actually was in January of last year. Um, but my point of this report is the numbers lost in 2020. Okay? Um, because now I know we're in 22, but Biden's whole thing, even though this these are January numbers of um, 22, I'm, I'm sorry, of January 22, it's... Um, it's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm writing something down. It's uh, still counts for last year because, like I said, it's fiscal year. So you go from February of 21 to, to the end of January of 22. Um, so in this chart, it shows the dip. So quarter one, you were at, I don't know, a negative, um, I don't know, we'll call it 100 million, just maybe 120 million dips down in quarter two to you know the numbers i told you i, I don't need to try and decipher the the uh the uh, thing there the, the chart so my question was this what what um we all know all of us people like us that follow this show and you know we're don't try to america right we're all about not being fucked with so to speak we all remember gas prices not that not not the gas was you know under a dollar let's not 
you know, let's not be crazy. But gas was, I think I saw today, gas is a dollar forty more a gallon now than it was two years ago. So, you know, your average family might have two cars. You know, it, let's say it cost you thirty dollars to fill up your car two years ago. Your car holds fifteen gallons of gas. Well, now it was thirty dollars before. Now it's forty-five, and you have two cars. So now it's ninety instead of sixty. I mean, it's those little things. And if you work a job or you're driving a lot, you know it costs. It costs a lot of money. So I was curious. What were the jobs numbers? Because anytime you see a chart that the White House puts up, it's always, you know, Biden's six point whatever million jobs. Trump lost three million jobs. Okay, but that's not, <laughs> it's not fair. Not to sound like a, a crybaby or like, it's not fair. It's bullshit. I don't want to be that guy. But let's be real. Let's talk real numbers. Take 2020 out of the mix. That, because that's not, that has nothing to do with Trump. If you were going to blame anybody for 2020, you blame China. I'm right. Blame China. You can say whatever in the fuck you want about Trump's reaction to COVID and that he didn't do this and he didn't do that. Well, not to totally get off on a different subject about that, but we well know they came out with a report. I think John Hopkins University just came out with a report the other day that lockdowns and all this shit that we went through accounted for 0.2%. Point two percent effectiveness. So in other words, it had no effect on the spread or the increase or decrease or whatever of COVID. Point two percent had no effect other than on the economy, y'all's paycheck, y'all's jobs, and our presidents. And you have to almost wonder if, I'm not saying that the government, obviously, I don't believe that Trump had anything to do with causing COVID. Now, did the powers that be had anything to do with COVID? I don't know. We'll never know. We can have a conspiracy theory talk about it and say Fauci was behind all this and blah, blah, blah. We can, we can bullshit like that all day long. I don't care. But it can't, you can't help but wonder if the powers that be hated Trump so much which we know is true, that when COVID came about, like I said, I'm not saying they caused it. I'm not saying they didn't cause it. <laughs> but whatever. Did they not seize that opportunity to get Trump out? And when I mean by they, I'm talking about the governors and Congress people and senators and whatever that demanded everything be locked down. Every state in this, in this country had some kind of a lockdown. Every state, even the free state of Florida, locked down. We did the two weeks to slow the spread. Fortunately for me and my wife, we have jobs that enabled us as essential workers. So it didn't affect us. But it affected plenty of people in this state. And then even when we reopened, you know, to DeSantis's credit of not knowing exactly what was going on. He did 25%, then 50%, 75%, 100%, usually, and I think it was around the summer, 
June, July, somewhere around there, we were back open, right? And, of course, he got shitted on and everything. Come to find out, he was right. <laughs> Say whatever you want. You can call him Death Santas. I don't give a shit. The deaths weren't any different in this state than they were in any other state per capita. On average, they were the same. Opening the state, closing the state, kind of opening the state, kind of closing the state had nothing to do. It's a proven fact. The study's been done. You could shut the book on it. 0.2%. Okay? The biggest reason for all of this in 2020, in my opinion, was to get rid of Trump, number one, and to get the people of this country dependent upon the government. And that in that short time, because it was only a year, look at the fuckery that encapsulated after the fact. Okay, 6.6 million people back to work. Or, no, I'm sorry, they're not saying back to work. 6.6 jobs created is what they're saying, right? But the fact of the matter is 6.6 million people went back to their jobs. Why? Well, because they needed money. Why? Because for a year, they were getting handouts. They were getting stimulus. They were getting uh, extra you know, tax credit for the kids. They were getting handouts, so to speak. And if they lost their job from uh, because of COVID, if wherever they worked closed or whatever the case may be, they were able to uh, apply for unemployment. Also, they got an extra, I can't recall the dollar amount, but I want to say it was like five or $600 on top of that. So like, let's say you worked at a job and your unemployment benefits were, say, $500 a week. Well, you got another 600 on top of that. Um, <laughs> so if you're a person that works at a job and you're making, you're bringing home $500 a week. I'm sorry, you're bringing home $800 a week, right? And you lose that job because of COVID. You apply, you apply for uh, unemployment, which we all know is not 100%, whatever the percentage is. But let's say you start bringing home $500 a week because of that. Plus another 600 So if before I made uh, $40,000 a year at said job, right? Now you're paying me $1,000 a week or whatever to sit my ass at home. So I'm going to go from making 40000 working 40 hours a week to 52,000 watching fucking uh, Dr. Phil or whatever the fuck's on TV during the day. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I'm not saying I would want to do it. I kind of like getting up and going to work as, as much of a pain in the ass it can be on some days. It makes me feel useful, right? But, um, so let's look at these numbers. Okay, so the claim, this is out of um, BBC News. So the claim is that President Trump says he built the greatest ever U.S. economy prior to the coronavirus outbreak, and that's now it's recovering faster than ever. Okay, so now let me see when this was. This was, well, this was uh, the end of, of 2020, so this is just before the election. Okay, reality check. It's true. <laughs> this is from the BBC. This isn't from Fox News or OAN or News, whatever, uh, Newsmax. This is BBC. It's true. The economy was doing well prior to the pandemic. Of course, they got a mix in continuing a trend which began during the Obama administration, but there have been many periods when it was much stronger 
The U.S. economy was then hit by the biggest economic contraction ever, uh, ever recorded as a result of the pandemic. It has since bounced back strongly, but hasn't regained all of its losses. So it shows, it, there's a chart here, and I'm not going to try and decipher it because it's not a precise number, but it shows the, the uh, first couple of years Obama was down, and then for the most part, he I, it looked like he had maybe two years. So maybe of the eight years that Obama was in there, he had four years of negative GDP growth. But for the most part, he had positive. And then that continued with Trump up until 2020, right? Which obviously, is it's obvious, right? We don't need to know why. <laughs> we know. So the latest numbers show economic output surge by an annualized 33% in the third quarter of 2020, followed by a record fall as a consequence of the corona, uh, coronavirus pandemic. The recovery, although strong, hasn't yet brought economic activity back to the pre-pandemic levels. Mr. Trump said in recent recovery, growth is the biggest in history and uh, almost tripled. That's bigger than any nation. Yes, it's the biggest quarterly increase, but more like double. Okay, so semantics, whatever. Um, but the interesting thing is, is if you look at Biden's numbers, okay, so we know now this is prior, these numbers are prior to the new job numbers that was just released today. So I'm going to tell you 6.2 million jobs. Okay, we'll call it 6.6, whatever. Okay, so now this is out of factcheck.org. Biden's numbers. This is, like I said, January 20th of 22. So it's current, relatively current. It doesn't have the new job numbers, whatever. So a year ago, Dipshit McGee took office 46th president of the United States, inheriting an economy weakened by the COVID-19 pandemic, but with effective vaccines to finally deal with it. Nah, I don't know about that. <laughs> that's, that's obviously, I would assume this factcheck.org is more of a, a liberal-leaning situation because of course they got to put effective vaccines not to be a dick but i'm going to be a dick about this because i'm tired of everyone spouting and talking about the, how great the vaccines are vaccines don't work guys okay if the vaccines work pandemic would be over i don't give a shit that 70 percent or whatever the number is of the people are vaccinated it we were told, I know I'm getting off on a tangent, but hi, I'm Don, right? If we were told way back when, when the vaccines came out, that if we got to 70, 75% vaccinated, that that would be, that would cause your herd immunity, right? Okay, we're there. We're at those numbers. But the thing is, is those 70 something percent of people that are vaccinated, whether it's two, three, four, ten 10 shots, whatever they have now, they're still getting COVID. Okay? They're still spreading COVID. So it's not effective. Whatever. Misinformation, in my, in my opinion. Anyway, let me keep reading here. To mark Biden's first year in office, we, took a, uh, we take stock of how the U.S. has performed under the new president. Here are some quote-unquote highlights. I mean, they didn't say that, but I did. Okay, so the U.S. economy added 6.2 million jobs. Okay, we know now it's 6.6, .6, but whatever. The, the important thing here is I'm going to read the, the buts. <laughs> but not all of the jobs lost during the pandemic have returned. Hmm, interesting. Econ uh, economic growth slowed 
in the third quarter, but economics estimated the economy grew about 5% in 21, the fastest in decades. Why? <laughs> a, key measurement of, <laughs> a key measurement of illegal immigration rose dramatically. The number of apprehensions at the border with Mexico increased by 317% in Biden's first uh, 10 full months in office compared to the same period of 2020. Why, I wonder why 317%. 317 percent. Interesting. Inflation came roaring back during Biden's first 11 months in office. The consumer price index increased 6.8 percent, which they just updated. I'll give you those numbers here in a second. And gasoline prices jumped 39 percent. Now that's on average. So like in Florida, we're paying around 350 a gallon. Now that's for basic your 87 whatever it is um, octane. If you have to use premium, you're over four dollars. In California, you're five dollars a gallon. So, obviously, it it depends on where you live for whatever reason as to why the gas is higher or lower. Wages and inflation are both up. So I gotta give them credit there. At least they say wages are up, but wages and inflation are both up. But the real weekly average adjusted for inflation declined. 2.2%. Now, what does that mean? And that's actually different now. So the wage increase current right now is 5.7%. Okay, so that means on average, everyone's making 5.7% more than they were making this time last year. But inflation is at 7% right now. So it's up from the 6.8, which means you're, you've lost 2.3% of your paycheck. So just in layman's terms, you make $1,000 a week. Your check is now, you've got a 5.7% increase. So now you're making, uh, what's that, $50 more, right? But you're spending $70 more on stuff. So that's the difference. Go, I mean, I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir. You guys all use gas. You guys all go to the grocery store. You guys even go to Walmart, Target, wherever you go. Shit's more expensive. So your check might look good, but you're spending a lot more money buying the shit you need. Um, you know, but <laughs> this coming from a president who vowed to go after corporate corporations and vowed to get people more money and vowed to do this, okay? Okay, whatever. People are making more money. People are spending more money. Not because they want to, but because they have to. But in the meantime, corporate profits and stocks prices hit new records. But Trump was the bad guy that was all about giving corporations tax cuts and giving corporations kickbacks and all this shit, right? But corporation profits, new records. The number of people without health insurance went down by about 500,000. Okay, so that's good. Not that he had anything to do with that. <laughs> I think maybe that could have had something to do with people going back to work or whatever. I don't know. The U.S. trade deficit, which grew larger under Trump, continued to increase. The gap grew 27.3%. Okay, so when I was looking numbers up, they talked about how Trump was trying to do whatever with the trade deficit, and it went up 6%, whatever it was. But Biden's increased it 27 more percent. So that's not helping. That's part of your inflation. The number of people receiving food stamp benefits declined 
about 905,000, or 2.2%, um, after steep increases during the height of the pandemic. So, of course, it declined 905,000 people. If 6.2 million people went back to work, <laughs> it should have decreased more than 900,000, I would think. But, you know, the uh, federal debt continues, debt continues to rise, and annual deficits remain in the trillions. Biden has kept pace with Trump's first year in winning confirmation of federal appeals judges, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about that. Um, so let's see. The U.S. image abroad has recovered in 12 nations, many of which are key U.S. allies and partners. A median 62% of foreigners say they held positive views of, of the U.S., up from a median 34% in Trump's final year. So once again, I don't know how fair that number is. Trump's final year, was that because of covid I don't know. But point of the matter is, these are your real numbers, right? These aren't, these aren't um, jobs created. 6.6 .6 million jobs created. It's bullshit. I would pray to God that anybody listening to this show knows that he didn't create anything these are people that went back to work the sad thing is is um this is not even i, I can't remember i thought i kept the story but i didn't because i'm you know i'm don but you know um i want to say it was nine i don't remember the exact number it was nine ten million people quit their jobs in 2020 so, in a year, so let's, it wasn't a year, but let's say a year of COVID under Trump. You had 10 million people quit their job. Well, I shouldn't say they quit their jobs. They either quit their jobs or got fired. You know, they lost their jobs. However that came about, whatever, they lost their jobs. In that same year's time, under Biden, he's only gotten 60% of those people back to work. So you didn't create anything. You got 60% of Americans back to work. And you really didn't do shit other than kind of ease the rhetoric a little bit on, on COVID lockdowns and shit like that, right? I would almost be willing to bet you would be at $10 million job growth if you had to ease off the fucking vaccine bullshit. And if these other states that have vaccine mandates, you know, where, wherever those states are, New York, California, wherever, if those states also backed off of that, you would probably be at your 10 million. You might even be over. You might actually create jobs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, now, what I have a question is, okay, so they created, or, you know, <laughs> I got to quit saying that because we know they didn't create shit. But whatever, the job numbers are back up. 400 whatever thousand jobs in January, right? But unemployment rose to 4%. I think it was around 3.7, 3.8. So my question is, and this is just me being stupid. This is me being a dude with a full-time job and a part-time podcast. How in the fuck do you add jobs but increase unemployment? That See, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's why I got a question 
these numbers. That's why I have to question that why Monday Saki comes out saying, oh, the job numbers are fucked because people called in sick. And then four days later, oh, look at that, 400 whatever thousand jobs. We're great. Biden's great. Everyone's great. Everyone's great. We're great. <laughs> but in the meantime, unemployment rose to 4%. I like how CNN just puts that little <laughs> little change. Whatever. It little change. It was a 3.7, 3.8, whatever it was. Went up to 4%. It still went up. Guarantee to you if it went down 2% or 0.2%, if it went to 3.6 or whatever, they would have been like, oh, I got 400 and whatever thousand jobs and unemployment's down 3.6. Whoo, Biden's the best. Guarantee you, it's trending on fucking Twitter. The Biden boom. Biden didn't do shit. Okay? I mean, you could say the same thing. Trump didn't do shit. People got better. Whatever. I think a president creating jobs like Trump, there was nothing going on the first three years of Trump, and he gained 6.2 million jobs during his three years, granted. Well, Biden's done 6.6 in his first year. Cool. 10 million people weren't fucking working. So 60% of them went back to work. Good. Get back to fucking work, people. <laughs> By, uh, Trump created 6.2 million in his three years prior to the pandemic. That's created jobs. Because we had no issues the last couple of years of Obama other than him being a shitty president. We had no issues from a, uh, you know, there was no pandemics. There was no global shutdowns there was no whatever so trump gaining 6.2 million jobs because when they show the chart trump's lost 3 million jobs right so what that means is in essence nine i i, I i'm i'm rounding numbers so i trump was 6.2 it was three point whatever jobs or i'm sorry three point whatever million jobs negative that he'd lost so they're looking at okay in four years trump lost 3.8 million jobs he sucks he's the worst president ever look 3.8 million people lost their jobs no what you're missing is 6.2 million actually gained employment and then 10 million people lost their jobs because of covid giving you a net number of 3.8 be real with the numbers. Folks, this is why I tell you, when you're watching the news, I don't care who you watch, Fox, CNN, MS, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if you don't watch the news at all and you get all your information from Twitter. I don't care. Do your own research because shit wasn't that bad under Trump. We all know this. Even the liberals that may be listening to the show know shit wasn't that bad, right? We all know this. So look for yourself. Hmm. What were the numbers before the pandemic? What was Trump's first three years? Oh, well, in those first three years, 6.2 million jobs. But in that last year, he lost 10, netting 3.8. It's not fair. So let's say, for shits and giggles, 6.2 million jobs in the first three years, so 2 million jobs a year, right, on average. He would have easily surpassed... 8 million or so jobs created <laughs> in his first four years as president had there not been a pandemic. You can argue with me, and please do. Go to my uh, Twitter, PCGC underscore 1775. Go to the show's Twitter. 
DTOM underscore 1775. Go to the Facebook page, Don't Tread on America on Facebook. Go to the website, DontTreadOnAmerica.com. Argue with me. Give me some interaction. If I'm full of shit, tell me I'm full of shit. Prove to me that I'm wrong because I have the fucking documents right here. I bring the receipts to the fucking show. So we can have that discussion. Furthermore, I've got an empty mic. Right, it's empty. Another empty mic right there. You know, Chris is here occasionally. Whatever, I have another mic right there. You guys are more than welcome. I don't know that you want to come to the den of punishment. Whatever, I don't care. We can zoom. Whatever, we can have a discussion. But the fact of the matter is, you cannot deny that the first three years under Trump, it was pretty damn good. Okay, everyone's 401k looked good. Stock was good. Now, granted, you can argue with me right now. Well, my 401k still looks good. And my stocks are even higher. True. I won't even argue with that. But why is that? Why is that? Because what did we just read a second ago? Corporation profits and stock prices hit new records. Why is that? Because people are buying shit at a crazy amount. Because they're still scared. They're still getting free money. But interestingly enough, I found this article. Oil prices are about to hit $100 a barrel. We talked about this a couple, like a week or so ago, which could bring an end to the great resignation. People might be saying, okay, great resignation. That's what they called Trump's, you know, that's what they called a lot of this, people quitting, a lot of people not going back to work. Like I said, 10 million people, people I'm sorry, 10 million people lost their jobs after, uh, during COVID, right? 6.6 have gone back. So in a year's time, you lost 10. You've gained 6.6 back in that same year's time. So there's still 3.4 million people sitting around with their thumbs up their ass. How, how in the hell that's even possible is beyond me because I know if I lost my job because of COVID, I would be aching to get back to work because I wouldn't be able to afford to not. <laughs> and maybe that's why, maybe that's why things are the way they are. Maybe that's why the supply, the supply, supply chain is what it is. Maybe that's why gas is high. Maybe someone in the Biden White House is saying, well, if we do these things, it'll force people back to work. Maybe. I don't know. Let's read the story. <clears throat> At today's, now this was on, this was two days ago. This is out of Fortune. At today's OPEC meeting, the world's top oil-producing nations are likely to stick to their existing policy of moderating oil output increases. But in oil market bound by extremely tight demand and an unsustainable situation in Ukraine, analysts say these supply increases may not be able to stop oil prices from reaching the financially and psychologically daunting price of $100 a barrel or to stop the host of other second... Um, order economic effects, including an end to the young work revolt behind the great resignation. <clears throat> Before I read on, interesting about that. So the young work revolt behind the great resignation. And it's interesting. We've talked on this show about, okay, if you go out to dinner with your, you know, significant other, you go to the grocery store, you go to, you know, a fast food restaurant, most of which these places employ younger people not saying they're kids not all of them but you know to me a lot of people are kids right but you're talking your 
20, 30-something-year-olds, right, that have these jobs, and that's what they're talking about, the young work revolt. Like I said, what these kids are doing to, because when I was 20, I had kids. When I was 22, I had two kids. I had to work. God help me if I was 20-something years old and had two kids in the, and something like this happened and I lost my job. I couldn't imagine not working, but whatever. Lower income groups are vulnerable to higher energy costs, says Paul Donovan, an economist at UBS, who says they, uh, there could come some pe- peculiar indirect effects to oil hitting $100 a barrel. A rise to $100 a barrel would not only ex- exacerbate inflation, Donovan says, but also slow down job turnover rate and slow the great resignation. So basically what Mr. Donovan is saying is that if you raise the price of shit, (laughs) these kids that aren't working or working part-time or uh, maybe making money other ways, however those ways are, I'm not saying they're doing anything illegal or whatever, but whatever. And gas went from $2 to 350 or depending on where you live, right? Maybe it might cause people to have to get back to work because, damn, gas is expensive. Going out to eat is expensive. I mean, <laughs> and I say go out to eat. I don't eat a lot of fast food. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I couldn't tell you the last time I had McDonald's or Taco Bell or anything like that. And I'm not trying to say I'm great because I don't eat that shit. I'm not saying that. I mean, I am, but I'm not. No. But just going out to eat with my wife. I swear to God, we've gone out to dinner. We try to go out to dinner at least once a week because we don't see each other a lot. <laughs> One of my friends jokingly said, that's, a, that's y'all's why your relationship is so strong because you never see each other. Okay, maybe, whatever. Um, I told her and we joked about it, ha, 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 whatever. But um, so we go out to dinner. We try to go out to dinner at least once a week. But it's expensive. We've gone out to dinner the last month. We've gone out to dinner four or five times. And I swear to God, when I tell you with tip, it's it's 90 bucks every time, no matter where we go. And I'm not talking we're going to like highfalutin upscale restaurants. I'm talking uh, Long Star, you know, uh, Longhorn Steakhouse. I'm talking there's a place around here. It's called Walk-Ons. Um, I'm, t- I'm talking your average, you know, sit down, have a steak, whatever dinner that might have cost you 50, 60 bucks before with tip is now $90, you know, but fortunately, you know, it's still, you know, still expensive. It's still like, damn, I just spent 90 bucks on this. And the town I live in, there's actually a pretty nice steakhouse here. That's kind of one of those places you go on special occasions. Like we'll go on my birthday. Cause I, eat, I get my steak for free. That's how expensive it is. <laughs> but my steak, I couldn't, we, I think it was two years ago was the last time we were there for my birthday. But nonetheless, at that point, it was, I don't know, 50, 60 bucks. And mine was free. You know, I mean, I had to pay for my, or I didn't have to pay my wife, but pay for the drink and her meal and her drink. But it was still 60 bucks and my steak and baked potato and whatever was free. I can't imagine what that place is. Probably 100 bucks per person now. Whew. How some of these places, and that's another thing is, we talk about oh six point whatever million people back to work. You're going to see a point here pretty soon where some of these restaurants are going to start closing. 
some of these ones that are that maybe have were barely hanging out prior to the uh, pandemic are probably not going to be there soon unless we can fix things all right on to the next subject of the day so i was going to go into second amendments under attack right it looks like they're coming after our guns once again now there was a shooting uh the other day shocker i know but um since it wasn't in chicago you know in downtown chicago or since it wasn't in uh baltimore this was in hell i don't remember where this was at but it was in a i think it was in virginia somewhere but you know you had some people shot obviously and people get shot when they're shooting right <laughs> so uh dipshit mcgee had this to say about your guns folks See, this doesn't violate anybody's Second Amendment right. There's no violation of a Second Amendment right. We talk like there's no amendment that's absolute. When the amendment was passed, it didn't say anybody can own a gun and any kind of gun and any kind of weapon. You couldn't buy a cannon and when the, this, this uh, amendment was passed. And so no reason why you should be able to buy certain assault weapons. But All right. Uh, number one, Mr. President, defender of the uh, Constitution. I think that's what you say when you swear in, right? I, Joseph R. McGillicuddy, dipshit McGee, do by solemnly swear to uphold the Constitution. That's number two on the Constitution. And it doesn't not say <laughs> that you can't own a cannon back in, in the, in the in revolutionary time. Jackass. Um... Let's see. What does it say? Let's see. Second Amendment. Hmm. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So basically, the term arms, does that only refer to individual firearms of the time so back in 1776 i mean the i think it was actually wrote in 1780 but nonetheless was were they referring to muskets did they say thou shalt only own muskets no they didn't they said uh bear arms okay and that's not bear arms it's guns or would it have been acceptable for the average person to own a cannon okay so if you think about it, if you go back in the wayback machine mr peabody um, it was probably relatively easy to own a cannon, especially after the Revolutionary War. There was probably some of that shit just sitting around, right? And um, as we well know, you know, folks that know anything about a little bit of history, it wasn't, we didn't necessarily have a military back then it wasn't the United States Army versus the British Army. It was some dudes, <laughs> right, against the British Army. Now, I guess technically you had George Washington and different generals and you had the Continental Army, but most of your, your fighting men outside of those individuals were people like us. What they called them, now I'm sure you've heard the term, 
three percenters, right? You've heard the term three percenters. Those people have been ostracized on Twitter and, uh, you know, you hear Oath Keepers. You hear those names being thrown around with January 6th. You hear that like it's a bad thing. But I got some news for y'all. If it wasn't for people like that, I'm not saying people that stormed the Capitol and were idiots. Um, I'm talking about more about the people that were at the Capitol protesting and were touring the Capitol more so, but nonetheless, uh, back in 1775 when shit went down, if it wasn't for Oath Keepers and those three percenters, thus the name three percenters was 3% of the population at that time took up arms against the greatest military in the world at that time. And that's something we'll get into on Sunday on our final part of a rise and fall of great empires part three. Um, <laughs> but the, the greatest military of, of that time, 3% of this population. Now it's not population like in America. I don't know how many people live in this country right now, 300, whatever 30 it wasn't 330 million people. 3% wasn't 90 million people. <laughs> it was like a couple hundred thousand. I don't even think it was that many. I'd have to look it up and get you some exact numbers, but it, it was nothing, really, in essence. And some of those people joined the Continental Army. And a lot of them didn't. A lot of them were dudes like me that if shit went down here, I'd be cracking open the safe and we'd be getting busy. So back in those days, it was very feasible for people to have cannons, have muskets, have whatever was available because you didn't have tanks and you didn't have the the weaponry that we have nowadays right so it is very feasible for people to have owned a cannon musket because the weapons of war at that time were those things and war was fought by people like you and me so if you and a hundred of your buddies got into a skirmish with a british battalion and you and you defeated them or they retreated you very well could have picked up arms, and those arms could have been muskets, um, shock, you know, handguns. It could have been cannons, ammunition, gunpowder, whatever. That's what you do. You clean up. When you go to war, it's good to have weapons similar to your enemy. That way you don't necessarily have to carry a shit ton of ammo around with you. You see what I'm saying? Anyway. So, um... The situation that's interesting, so now this is from the free press. This was from uh, today, oddly enough. So the Biden administration lays a foundation for massive gun grab exercise, and they record one billion record sales. Now, that doesn't sound like it like it does. Oh, they, they sold a billion guns. No. What that means is, the Republican lawmakers want answers as to why the Biden administration has compiled nearly 1 billion records of gun sales. Back in November, the Free Press reported that Joe Biden's gun, corp, uh, gun cops have gathered gun purchase data on some 54 million Americans, even, even though the 1986 federal law signed by then-President Ronald Reagan prohibited, uh, prohibited <laughs> easy for me to say, the U.S. government um, 
from maintaining any systems of registration of firearms, firearm owners, or firearm transactions or depositions be established. On Wednesday, the Washington Free Beacon reported that the situation is much worse. GOP lawmakers are demanding to know why the, the ATF seems to be planning to sweep up records of every gun sale in America, as found in digitized searchable ATF database of nearly 921 million records. GOP Rep. Michael Cloud of Texas and 35 of his colleagues are asking how that happened. And more importantly, why is it necessary? The Free Beacon reported on a letter dated Wednesday the lawmaker sent to the acting ATF director Marvin Richardson about the database. The Republicans admit they were astounded by the size of the massive file. They questioned why the ATF was proposing a rule requiring gun dealers to maintain records beyond 20 years, which is now the maximum retention time under federal law. This regulation was enacted to ensure that the federal government complied with existing law restricting the, uh, restricting the creation of a federal gun re uh, registry. It is therefore concerning that the administration would seek to repeal the decades-old rule without citing any research or data justifying the need for retaining firearm transaction records in perpetuity, the letter said. <clears throat> Indeed, the only basis for proposing rulemaking is that firearms are dur durable and keep, can be operational and in circulation for more than 20 years. The Free Beacon reported that ATF claims its records are primarily used to track guns used in crimes, yet the ATF also points out that the database is often useless and prop, um, prosecuting gun crimes. GOP lawmakers allude, alluded to that in their letter. They asked why the ATF needs files from 1985 when, according to the ATF, the average time a gun is used in a crime after being purchased is seven years, and almost half of the crimes that drops to uh, three years. Congress, by statute, has pro uh, prohibited ATF from maintaining a national gun registry. The lawmakers wrote, ATF's new proposal will require FFLs to uh, keep record of sales in uh, perpetuity means that eventually the ATF will sweep up the records of every gun sale in America that occurs at a licensed dealer. ATF databases um, is looking more and more like a prohibited database of firearms and law-abiding gun owners. Cloud told the Free Bacon Americans have every right to be concerned about the Biden administration misusing their power to create an illegal firearms registry, and it's up to Congress to get to the bottom line of this. Aidan Johnston, the Federal Affairs Director for the Gun Owners of America, added the ATF is not collecting and digitizing these records because they want to protect the Second Amendment. They're doing it because they want to register and confiscate our firearms. Florida Republicans endorsed Cloud's record, I'm sorry, letter, including Reps Vern Buchanan, Kat Kamek, Bill Posey, and Greg Stubbe. So, <clears throat> that's scary. I'm sorry. That means anyone listening to this that has purchased a firearm in the past, what was that, 86, right? So, damn near 40 years. Anyone that has purchased a firearm 
you and you did it at a gun dealership, you know, gun, you know, licensed gun dealer, whatever. You fill out your paperwork, you did your FFL background check and all that stuff. They have you on record. So, like the the person says, it's not to protect the Second Amendment. It's to know whose doors are going to knock on, or <laughs> better yet, kick in, right? It's a scary thought, guys. What I would say to that is get ready for what? I don't know. Guarantee I'm ready. God, pray. <laughs> See, what I think is going to happen, whether, <laughs> let me put it this way. I hope something is going to happen in the sense that the Republicans that are talking this talk actually walk the walk. And it seems to me they're setting up different situations to impeach Biden as soon as they possibly can. You have this. This, is, this wasn't a law passed through Congress. This didn't go through the House. This isn't even gone to the, to the uh, Supreme Court. This is backroom shady fucking dealings with the ATF. And be willing to bet the FBI and any other three-letter agencies probably involved in this situation. Hell, they're probably listening to podcasts like this and they're, they're scoping out your Twitter. Reasons I got kicked off of Twitter and Facebook was because of stuff, not even stuff that I said, because I don't really tweet a shit ton. I don't post a lot. I might post stupid-ass memes on our Facebook page. I don't post a lot of shit. Why did I get kicked off of those things? I'll tell you why. Because I said no. Because on my Twitter page, I had a, what was it? Uh, we go one, we go all hashtag on there. That got me kicked off immediately. <laughs> I didn't say or do anything. I had that hashtag got me kicked off. They're watching us, guys. Now, I could see if I had, and, and literally, in my old uh, Twitter account, I think I had, shit, I don't know, 200 followers, maybe. Right? Um, so it's not like I was a blue check mark and I'm spreading misinformation to the masses and I had hundreds of thousands or millions of followers. Literally had 200 followers. Didn't really tweet a whole hell of a lot. But because I had that hashtag in my bio, got kicked off. But um, we, we knew this was coming, right? This, this isn't shocking. This isn't breaking news. I guess if I had thought about it, this could have been news of the obvious statement, right? Whatever. This is, we knew this was going to happen. Biden talked about it. Hell, half of the people running for president at the time talked about it. We're going to come out. Damn right we're going to get your guns. Right? Wasn't that uh, Beto O'Rourke? Damn right we're going to get your guns. Biden. Oh, we're gonna, you don't need an AR-15. Deadly assault. It, it says it in the name. AR, assault rifle. Uh, no, idiot. It's Armalite. It has nothing to do with, uh, with assault anything. Because a uh, little breaking news for you. You can assault anybody with anything. <laughs> I can assault you with a shovel. Is that making an assault shovel? No, it means you got your ass beat with a shovel. <laughs> so, assault rifle. There's no say. Assault is an action, right? I mean, anybody that went to through at least fifth or sixth grade, 
you know uh, your verbs, right? Assault is a verb. Verb is an action, right? So you have assault guns, knives, machetes, shovels, chairs, um, lunchbox. I'm just looking around the room. Uh, You know, I said chair, microphone. (laughs) I could assault the fuck out of you with this microphone. I pull it out and just start whacking you in the head. That'd hurt. It's metal. But it's not illegal. I didn't have to go fill out a form to get this microphone. But, um, so, so far, the Democrats have rolled out two specific plans to confiscate American guns. Both involve a new assault weapons ban bill that would ban millions of the most commonly owned firearms. But the two proposals differ in how the left plans to take away those banned guns. Joe Biden's proposal would tax the Second Amendment to death. Americans would be forced to pay $200 per semi-automatic rifle, shotgun, handgun, or high-capacity magazine that they own. Okay, before I read on, semi-automatic rifle, shotgun, handgun, or high-capacity magazine. I don't know what they deem high-capacity, but let's take handgun magazines out of the equation. Let's look at your your quote-unquote assault weapons. Okay, so I don't care. <laughs> Obviously, the ATF knows what I have, so here we go. I have an AR-15. Technically, it's called an M4. And God only knows how many quote-unquote high-capacity magazines I have. So, whatever. 30-round mags. I don't know how many I have. I have a AR-style shotgun with, I don't know how many magazines it holds. Uh, I think I've got four, whatever. I've got an AK-47 with God only knows how many magazines, 30 round plus. I have a Ruger 9mm badass little gun. It's a, it's a rifle, but it's, it's sweet with a couple of 30 round mags. Uh, those would be deemed your quote-unquote assault weapons. So there's 800 bucks. I don't know how many magazines I have. I really don't know. I'm not being a smartass. I'm not going to open my thing up and count them. But just for shits and giggles, let's say I've got 40 <laughs> between all, all the guns. So that's, what, 8000 bucks plus the guns, 800 So that's almost $9,000 right there in taxes. And that's just those four guns. That doesn't count the semi-automatic rifles, shotguns, and handguns I have. Because for those that don't know, anything that fires multiple rounds is (laughs) semi-automatic. It's not automatic. It's not a machine gun. So I have a revolver. Holds six, six, uh, six bullets. Technically, by definition is a semi-automatic. Now it wouldn't be deemed high capacity. I would, I would think, but technically it's semi-automatic. The different handguns I have, the magazines range from seven to 17, depending on the size of the gun. Like I said, not sure what their definition of high capacity is, but each one of those technically is a semi-automatic gun on top of the rifles I have and whatever else. So me personally, and I don't, 
feel like I have a shit ton of guns. I mean, I know I just told you what I basically had, and you're thinking, damn, that fool's got a shit ton of guns. But I don't feel like I did. I actually made the comments more today. You know, this is the first year, this past year, I didn't buy a gun. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm looking personally at probably damn near $10,000 in taxes, right? And like I said, I don't feel like I have a lot compared to some people. There's probably people listening to this be like, Pfft, that's all, you only got two of these and one of those. I got four of those and three of these and six of those. Cool. My personal opinion is I don't need multiple of the same caliber. I'd rather just grab the one and whatever ammo. Anyway, so um, as the story reads on, even modest gun collectors could be forced to pay thousands or even, or even tens of thousands for the privilege of being able to keep owning their legally acquired firearms. Point in case. Everything I have, I bought in the back of a trunk. No, I bought from various um, gun dealers, whether it was Walmart or my local gun shop or wherever. All were legally purchased, filled out the paperwork, did the background checks, did everything I was supposed to do as a law-abiding citizen to purchase the gun, which technically I shouldn't even have to do. Why? Second Amendment. <laughs> but okay, whatever. I still gained them legally. I didn't go to some dude in the back of, you know. See, here's my thing about that. I'll say this about that. I feel that every law abiding citizen in this country should be able to and also should own a firearm. Okay? Um, but I feel that you should do it legally. You should go to a FFL licensed dealer to buy whatever gun you want to purchase. Um, now, do I feel that you should be able to go to gun shows and buy firearms? Yes. I feel you should be able to go and buy firearms from a gun show from a licensed dealer. And I say that because I go to gun shows, <laughs> right? Uh, and you can buy guns there from licensed dealers. You can also buy guns from dudes that are selling their guns, at least here in the state of Florida. I don't know how it is in other places. And you don't even have to fill out a bill of sale. I mean, I would. If I was going to sell my guns to somebody, I would. But you don't have to. Now, my question is this, and I've said this to, my, you know, to Chris and other people. You go to a gun show, and let's say you see an AR-15, just for whatever reason. It's AR-15. Now, let's say you can go to your gun shop, or let's say there's a gun shop at the gun show, and he's that the gun sh uh, store is selling it for seven hundred bucks, whatever model, whatever brand, whatever. But you don't have your concealed carry, so you have to wait three days to get the gun. But for whatever reason, you need the gun now. I don't know why you would need it now, but you go over here and Bill's selling a gun, the same exact gun used mind you and god only knows what bill used it for right but whatever but now he's selling it for 1500 good for bill <laughs> you know my question is the idiot that actually buys it for 1500 instead of waiting the three days and paying seven that's the people that i worry about why why is that guy buying that gun when he could just get it over here brand new whatever but i'm not a lawmaker that's not my business like I said, I feel everyone should be able to own a gun. Um, 
if you feel like you have the money to blow on a gun and spend 1500 bucks instead of half that and getting it through a dealer. But then on the flip side, there's people that'll sit there and say, well, you're just read a story about databases and ATF. Well, maybe that's why you would buy it and spend a little more money. That way your name's not in the database. Okay. I kind of get it. I just contradicted myself anyway. So if you can't afford the taxes, then guess what? You're going to have to surrender those guns, destroy them or permanently alter the firearms and magazines. If you can't afford the tax, then you would need to register the guns with the ATF so that the government can come back and confiscate them at a later date. Hmm. Now, uh, not every Democrat thinks like Joe Biden. Instead of taxing the Second Amendment to death, many on the left are just itching to go door-to-door and take the shit. Um, I don't want to say that'll never happen. Because there's a lot of things that have happened that I would say wouldn't happen. And I was wrong. Um, I pray that this is something I'm, that, that we're, that I'm right about, that it will never happen. Um, I don't know. I think this is a war, so to speak, that they don't want to fight. So I guess we'll see, right? All right. Last story of the day. And this story is brought to you by Maker's Mark Bourbon. We are a brand ambassador for Maker's Mark. Check them out. Go to your local liquor store and get you a bottle. It's good stuff, man. Mix it with some soda and whatever. Chris is more of the mixologist than I am, but, you know, look up some recipes. Anyway, so, who in the hell is Karen Johnson, and why am I talking about her? <laughs> For those of you that don't know, uh, Karen Johnson is uh, is me. I'm Karen Johnson. I'm, tr- I'm transitioning to... Uh, to <laughs> Karen Johnson is uh, Whoopi Goldberg's real name, okay? So not to go into a whole spiel about Whoopi Goldberg getting suspended, because guess what? I give two shits. Uh, I don't watch The View. I don't even know anyone. I think her and Joy Behar are the only two I really know. I don't know them. I don't follow them. I don't whatever. I think Whoopi Goldberg's a horrible actor, actress, comedian. I think she sucks. I think I've watched her literally in one movie, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And that was however many years ago, six, uh, what was that, Sister Act? Um, since then, she's become more woke and more stupid and more liberal, and I could care two things about anything she has to say, okay? But <laughs> with that being said, it's interesting that she has to say the things she has to say, and her name is actually Karen, but whatever. The interesting thing is, so Twitter users torched ABC and Disney following the news of Whoopi Goldberg's two-week suspension over the con- controversial Holocaust remarks by pointing out that both Roseanne Barr and Gina Carano were both fired by ABC and Disney. Disney's the parent company, so we'll just call it Disney, over tweets that, that they deemed offensive. Um, I'm not going to read the story because obviously... I'm kind of late to the party on this. This happened, I think, Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever. I think it was just coming out when I did the show on Wednesday. Like I said, I don't really give a shit about Whoopi Goldberg. I don't give, I give even less of a shit about The View. Um, So she got suspended for saying whatever she said about the Holocaust, not being about race, right? Well, she's an idiot. She doesn't know anything because the Jews weren't black or Hitler, you know, whatever. That's just her ignorance of being a dumbass. But I think the more important part and what got people up in arms over this 
was the fact that she, the the black lady, was suspended, whereas the two white ladies didn't say anything half as bad as that, and they got fired. So, that is the world we live in today, depending on your skin color and what side. And and I don't even want to say skin color. Depending on skin color and what side of the aisle you are on is how they're going to treat you. If you're a black conservative and you, if Gina Carano was a black lady or Roseanne Barr was a black lady, still would have gotten fired, <laughs> right? Because of what they said and what their leanings are towards. Gina Carano on um, Twitter and Facebook, I follow her. She's all about anti-mask and anti-this vaccine. Do not comply. She says that a lot. And uh, kudos. Keep keep spreading the truth. And these woke people are starting to get bit in the ass. Of course, now I think I saw where where whoopies come out saying, I'm, I'm going to quit. Cool, quit. <laughs> it's funny because I was watching Gutfeld uh, last night, I think it was. And Tyrus is one of the guys on there was saying, the funny thing is, is these four ladies that are on The View, they don't even fucking like each other. Like, when they go to breaks and whatever, they all go to their... They don't sit there and chit-chat. Like, on, I don't know if you guys watch Gutfeld, but on Gutfeld, there's, you know, there's four people plus Gutfeld. When they break for commercial breaks, they don't leave. They all sit there probably and chit-chat about whatever. They, on The View, from what I'm understanding, leave. They go off stage and then come back. So, it's interesting. Um, it's obviously a toxic workplace with toxic women that have no, nothing better to do than to bitch about life and Trump and people like me and you for an hour. Cool. I don't care. I don't watch the show. I don't care to watch the show. They could cancel the show. They cannot cancel the show. I cancel the show by not watching. I think everybody has their right to their opinion about whatever they want to. If she wants to say whatever about the Holocaust, cool. I don't care because I didn't hear it. Would have known nothing about it if it didn't blow up on the media. Right? Cool. People blow up about Joe Rogan. If you don't like what Joe Rogan has to say, guess what? Don't fucking listen to the show. If you don't like what Whoopi Goldberg has to say, don't watch The View. Simple. <laughs> it's simple. Only thing you need to do is listen to Don't Tread on America. And on that note, guys, I'm going to close out the show. Make sure you tell your friends. Share this, please. Keep this train rolling. Um, don't forget to go to the website, DontTreadOnAmerica.com. Free website. I don't charge y'all. I pay for that. Um, check it out. Subscribe. Follow us on social media. From the uh, website, you can access all the social media. Um, also, whatever app you are listening to this on, please like, share, and more importantly, tell your friends, tell your, your grandma, your neighbors. So let's spread the word, guys. Let's keep this train going. And on that note, guys, it is February 4th, 2022. Don't forget Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. I'm going to do part three of the rise and fall of great empires. It's going to be a good closeout. And uh, basically, I'm going to talk about Great Britain and the American Empire. So uh, make sure you stay tuned. And then, uh, like I said, hit me up on the social media platforms. If there's something in the future you want me to do another series on, uh, let me know. All right, guys, you have a great day, and I'll talk to you again on Sunday.